Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Go with me to Matthew 25, verses 14 through 18. Well-known passage of Scripture. If you've been in church, you've heard this before. If not, let me read it to you. We'll dive into it, talk all about it, have a great Sunday today, and then let you have a great rest of your week. All right, here we go. Verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his, say with me, ability each according to his ability. Okay, let's go on. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I'm calling the thing about seeds. The thing about seeds. Let's pray one more time and uh, just pray that God would speak to us as we get ready to hear his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, God, for all the great things that have already happened and the things that we are expecting to come here in these moments. God, I pray that as I speak corporately to this tent full of people, that you would speak uniquely and individually to every single person. Allow them to hear, Father, a word that is for their life right now, today, in this season, God. Only you can do that. While I speak to an audience, you speak to the individual. So would you do that right now, Father? We will open up our ears and our hearts and our spirits to receive you. We're going to set aside every distraction and everything that's competing for our attention. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. Let's talk about the thing about seats. Now before I do that, before I do that, I want to lead with some pearls of wisdom. You may not know this, but my wife and I celebrated 18 years of marriage this year. 18. We're like adulting in our marriage now, you know what I mean? If you're wondering, like, how old were you? We were 12. We were 12 years old, all right? It's, it's legal in Chula Vista. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, so, so my wife and I are celebrating 18 years of marriage, uh, and, and, and so let me just tell you that when you've been married that long, you learn some things, all right? So I want to help all of the married people in the room and some of the soon-to-be-married and some of the want-to-be-married people in the room, too, okay? So, so, so lean in on these pearls of wisdom, okay? No, no woman grows up thinking that when they get married, they will become a nagging wife, no, no, no woman grows up standing there at the altar, looking at her husband in the eye, confessing her love to him, to be faithful in sickness and in health, ends it with, and I will become a nagging wife. Like, like they, they don't, no woman desires that, and yet there is this, I've heard it said, not in this tent, of course, but I've heard it said that women become a nagging wife. But the truth of the matter is, and how I want to set all of your marriages free, is that women don't become nagging wives, they get a lot of help from their husbands. You see, what typically ends up happening is they ask you to hang the picture frame. And six months later, when it's not there, they keep on asking, when is it going to be hung up? So, some, so we think, you know, you've been asking me to hang it for six months. Absolutely. 
And you've been refusing to do it for six months. And most of the time, the reason we're not doing it is we're busy watching with guys playing a ball on television. And we should be doing what our wives want us to do. So, so here's the wisdom. You might be thinking, that's not wisdom. I figured out how, husbands, listen to me. I figured out how we can keep our wives from becoming the nagging wife. Y'all ready for this? Write this down. Take some notes, all right? Write this down. Here's, here's how to prevent your wife to become a nagging wife. Y'all ready for it? Do it the first time she asks. <laughs> Come on, ladies. I'm helping you. You got to put a louder amen on it than that unless you want to go back home to that joker, okay? So just, just do it the first time she asks. And if you do it the first time she asks, guess what? She won't have to ask you six more months. Just do it the first time. Yeah, so follow me for more TED Talks and more wisdom. But anyway, in all seriousness, um, I want to actually talk about some of that and relate it to this story, this parable in Matthew chapter 25, and it does relate. So let me connect these ideas for you. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling a parable. And he's telling a parable to his followers, and this actually happens the week that Jesus is about to be crucified. So this is his last week kind of doing his stuff here on earth before he's crucified. And um, so he's, he's using, um, he's teaching through, through parables. Everybody say parables. Parables are just stories meant to point to a greater biblical truth. And, and so sometimes it was easier to just illustrate it in a story like I did just a minute ago. It's easier to just illustrate it in a story than it is just to teach on the topic. And so that's what Jesus is doing. And this particular parable, it involves three servants who are given different sums of money from their master. But, but before we talk about those three servants, you got to understand the context that he is teaching from. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 25 and even in 24, he's talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he illustrates it through a parable. So he'll say the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And so this parable is on the larger context of the kingdom of heaven. Now, now what's, what's crazy about all of this is as Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of heaven, he's getting all the religious people very, very upset at him. Like, like very upset at him. How upset? Right after this day, this was recorded as the Monday of his last week here on earth um, before his crucifixion. Um, immediately when he was done teaching all these parables about, the what, about what the kingdom of heaven was like, the Bible records that the religious leaders got together and they said, we've got to kill this guy. Like, that's how triggered they were by his teachings because his teachings went against their teachings. What he taught actually exposed their, their, their legalistic religious teaching that really was controlling and manipulating people and pointing a false picture to heaven. And so when Jesus comes out and says, no, 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 this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, they knew this was bad for business, so they thought the best thing they could do was kill Jesus. So, so here's the first thing you need to write down and the first thing you need to know. The principles of the kingdom of heaven are often in conflict with the principles of the kingdom of this world. It's a big sentence, and I'll say it one more time. The principles of the kingdom of heaven are often in conflict with the principles of the kingdom of this world. Jesus goes against the grain. Jesus' teaching doesn't go with the stream. When Jesus is teaching, it is counter 
countercultural. It was countercultural 2,000 years ago, and it's even more countercultural today here in 2022. Doing things his way ain't sexy, y'all. Doing things his way ain't popular. Doing things his way might cause you to lose some friends. Doing some things his way ain't great for the gram. But do you want to know what it will do? It'll bring the kingdom of heaven right down here to earth in your life. And so what Jesus does through these parables is he peels back the curtains, if you will, and he exposes the disciples to what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he says, you can step beyond your everyday, ordinary religious life and enter into the kingdom of heaven, but it's your choice. You you can settle for religion or you can enter into a relationship where the kingdom of heaven is manifested in your everyday life. Like, like, that's your choice. What he doesn't do is kick you and force you in. What, what, what he doesn't do is pull you by the ear into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know some of y'all got some PTSD because your mom pulled you by the ear to get you into church when you were a kid. How many of y'all went to church as a punishment? Come on, let's confess. I see some hands. I know, I know. Growing up, my aunt, she did this thing. My cousin and I, we got into a lot of trouble. I remember one time, my grandfather pastored a church. My cousin Victor and I, we got into so much trouble that in the middle of service, she pulled us by the ears and she took us to the altar in the middle of service. She said, now pray. I was like, oh, this is how we connect with our, our creator. Okay. So anyway, um, but, but God doesn't operate like that. God invites you and what he does is he peels open the curtain and he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Don't you want to live like this? And what John tells us, John 10, is what he, his language is, is that I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you an abundant life. Everybody say an abundant life. He don't want you just to live, but he wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live according to kingdom principles. He wants you to live and bring down the kingdom of heaven to earth today. I don't know if you know about that, or I don't know if you've ever been taught that, but heaven isn't a place that we're hoping to arrive at once we die. We can bring the kingdom of heaven right here on this earth by living according to his word, his principles, his teachings, and we'll experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's why he said, pray this prayer. Pray that it would be on earth as it is where? In heaven. Pray that it would be here on earth just as it is in heaven. And, and, and so this parable was meant to show them, listen, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So, so now let's dive into the story. And with, with all of that context, now that I have framed that picture for you of what Jesus is ultimately trying to accomplish through this parable, let's dive into the parable. So we, we, we notice right away that Jesus is creating this fictitious story of the master and with his three servants. And right away we see something. Jesus gives each of them a different bag of money. Like, like some got the big bag and some of them got the little bag. And when you look at that story, you might ask yourself, well, why did some get the big bag? And why did some of them get the little bag? Aren't we all sons and daughters of God? The answer is yes. We, we, we are all made in the image and the likeness of God. We, we were all made in the image and the likeness of God. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're made in his image. Now, do me a favor, look at the other person, the one you don't want to tell that to because you don't want to dare tell them that they're made in his image. Tell them to say, you too, you're also made in his image. 
The beautiful thing about being made in the image of God is that we are all made in his image. That means the person that looks like you is made in the image of God. The person that doesn't look like you is made in the image of God. The person that votes like you or the person that doesn't vote like you. We are all made in the image of God, even though we don't get along sometimes, even though it's like we, we, we don't like what political party they're from or we don't like their football team or whatever silly thing we do here on earth. We're all made in his image and likeness. And, and this is the thing. God loves us equally. God loves us equally. Even your arch enemy, your frenemy, or whatever. Like, 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 God loves you equally. But here's what this story teaches us. Here's what this story teaches us. He doesn't trust us equally. He does not trust us equally. There was some that he could trust with the big bag, and then there was some people that he could trust with the little bag. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven says we're all at this starting line together, but he is going to give the big bag to the person that he trusts. He loves us all the same. Red, yellow, black, white, it doesn't matter. He loves us all the same. But he doesn't trust us all the same. And I want to I talk about how we can be that person that God would trust. Write this down. Our trustworthiness has nothing to do with our identity, but everything to do with our ability to obey. Everybody say obey. obey. I'm going to talk about obedience today on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I know it's not going to be fun, but let me tell you, it's going to help you, okay? So, so he trusts us based on our ability to obey. He, he, he's, he, he will give to those that he obeys a greater assignment in the kingdom of God. He, he, will, he will not give you, this is what the word of God teaches, he won't give you more than you can bear. So, so you might be saying, God, I want this big ministry and I want, you to, I want to use you in this, this, I want to be used in this great manner. And he's like, I, it would break you if I gave that to you. Th- that's why he doesn't give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. That, that's how God responds some, it's like that question, if God answered every one of your prayers, would the world change or just your world? And oftentimes we're so self-centered on our assignment and so self-centered on what we want to be done in our lives. God's like, listen, I can't do that for you because that's not what you need. I know that's what you want, but that may not be what you need. Trustworthiness flows from our ability to obey. So what we have to do, what we have to do, Lighthouse Church, lean in on this, is we have to obey the voice of God, but also, I'm going to give you a little, little prayer hack right here. You have to ask God, put me in situations where I am going to have to obey you today. Okay? Because God will test you in some of the most small ways, and he's going to lean, he's going he's gonna to nudge you, he's going he's gonna to really lean on you, go talk to your coworker, and you have to show him can I be obedient to God? How many ever got that feeling like, like, you just knew God was telling you to talk to someone? Like, you knew that it was God, and you were like, no, but I don't want to talk to them. I don't even like that person. All the more reason God was telling you to talk to them. But, but what God does, what God does, and, and he, he, he blesses us according to, he, he, uh, he gives to us according to our ability to obey. And so we have to show him. We have to prove to him that we can obey. So let me give you another story. Um, Abraham. Do you guys know who Abraham is in the Bible? If you grow up in church, you sang songs about Father Abraham, right? Y'all remember those songs, Father Abraham? Had many sons. Yeah, do you know that song? I am one of them. 
and so are you. So what are we going to do? So let's all praise the Lord, right? You guys remember that? All right, where's all my Sunday school kids at? All right, so Father Abraham. Well, well look at what happened with Father Abraham, and, and look at what God entrusted him with. So, so God was looking for a man that would be the father of his people group, and so he selects Abraham. He's looking at Abraham. He's like, I know that guy will obey me. And all throughout the life of Abraham, not just one instance, you see several instances where God asks Abraham to do something, and he does it. Why? Because he obeyed God. He was trustworthy because he constantly obeyed God. And in and, and one particular story, again, he's got a whole life of obeying God, but there's, there's one particular story that I want to draw your attention to, okay? Abraham is 100 years old. Everybody say 100. And he finally has a son when he's 100 years old, and his wife's like 90 years old. And if you're wondering how in this world can this happen, we serve a miracle-working God, all right? And so it's a crazy story in your Bibles about how God gave Abraham a son. And, and this was the son that he had been praying for. This was his son that he so desired. And Abraham, you know, um, hears from God one day, and God is testing him. And God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son that you love, and I want you to sacrifice him for me. Wait, what? I mean, I haven't already shown you that I am trustworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I need to test you, Abraham. I need for you to take your son, your only son, the one that you love, the one you've been praying for, the one that your wife got conceived when you guys are hundred years old, that son, I want you to take him up to the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him as an offering unto me. Now, kind of crazy, right? Just, that's just wild. So, so, uh, you know, what I think about this is, is how Abraham responded to the voice of the Lord, and he did what God called him to do. Now, had it been me, <laughs> hey, if, let, me let me insert my, my temperament, and let me insert the way that I am into Abraham's story. If God would have said to me, Abraham, I need you to take your son and sacrifice him up on the mountain, I would have said, well, God, you know, I do have another son, Ishmael, and I had him with my side chick, you know what I'm saying? I know I wasn't supposed to, but uh, she was there, my wife said it was okay, so I got another son, so I could sacrifice him, and you know what, you know, God, you want to know the best thing about that is, if I sacrificed him, then here's what's going to happen, it's going to make my wife happy, I ain't got to play child support anymore, it'll be good, just like win-win, like just win-win. Can I just do that? That's, that's like, like how I would have handled it. But he knew that God was like, no, 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 not, not, not your plan B. I want your plan A. I want you to obey. And so there goes Abraham. Could you imagine him telling his son Isaac, Isaac, we're going to go on a hike. And Isaac's like, I love hikes. Let's go. So they get to the trailhead, and it's like, okay, Isaac, when we get to the top of the mountain, we're going to have a sacrifice unto God. I love sacrifices. Great. Wait, what did you bring? He's like, you, let's go. And so up, up they go. And, and it's not until Isaac is literally on the altar of sacrifice strapped down. Isaac's probably like, okay, dad, this ain't funny anymore. This ain't funny anymore, dad. And, and Abraham's got the knife up in the air, ready to stab it into the torso of his son that finally God speaks to him and says, okay, Abraham, I was just playing. No, he doesn't say that, but that's what in my mind. What God says is, okay, Abraham, do not kill your son. It was all just a test. You see, God will test our obedience, and it is from there that we are able to demonstrate to him that we are trustworthy. Now, now God's not going to ask you to do this anymore, okay? I, I don't think that God's going to be speaking to Joe and say, take your son, Teo, on his first Sunday playing the drums and take him up to... Double Peak Mountain in San Marcos, and you're going to offer him up as a sacrifice. But, but this is what God does do. Let me just tell you a story from my life. This is what God does do. I, I'll never forget a few years ago, there was a, 
at my, the previous church that I was a part of, a gentleman came into the office because he was in financial need, and he said, Pastor Josh, I really have this financial need, and we have this benevolence fund from the church. All right, we're going to help you out, brother. We're going to get you through this rough moment. And then God spoke to me and said, Josh, I want you to give him $200 of your money. I said, but, but we're about to write him a check from the church, so he's going to be good. He's going to be good. And God said, no, Josh, I want you to give him $200 of your own money. Now, my flesh kicked in, right? I gave you the whole story about Abraham, but let me tell you about my real conversation with God. I said, well, hold on, God. The reason he's broke is because this guy's always living beyond his means, Jesus. And I don't think it's a good idea for him to give me my money that I budget because he didn't budget his money. And I don't want to create an addict out of him. You know, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to keep on coming back, you know. And so trying to rationalize all this with God, why I shouldn't give this guy money. And God just kept saying, give him $200 of your money. And then finally, I tried my last ditch effort with God. I said, I ain't got it. You know, God, as if he doesn't know my bank account, right? I'm like, I ain't got it. I only brought a debit card with me, God. So I would have loved to have done it. He's like, go take him to the ATM, pull out the money, and give him $200. And so there I go. And I said, hey, we're going to help you out. But listen, uh, before you go, I, can, we, can we go to the ATM? I really feel like I want to do something for you. Yeah, but isn't the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but God's telling me that I got to do something for you. I really don't, this is my head. Like, I don't really want to, you know. <laughs> Like, I can do better things with my money than give it to you, you know. But, but there we go. Go to the ATM, pull out the money, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, but, like, I got to go home and tell my wife, the wife that you gave me, okay? She may not be happy. And I'll never forget, you know, my wife's cooking dinner, and I look at her, and I was watching guys play with a ball on TV, and I'm like, honey, um, I gave so-and-so money today. She's just quiet. Why? Because God told me to. The God card's awesome, you know what I'm saying? You're just like, I'm just God, you know, I'm such a faithful Servants. Just <laughs> God. And she said what I said. She goes, Oh, baby, you know why he's broke, right? I'm like, oh, I know. Trust, I know. It, it, it don't take a prophet to know. You know, it's like, we know. We know why he's broke. And she said, Okay, okay, if God told you to do it, that's what God told you to do. It's those small steps of obedience. And that's how God tests you. He's not going to ask you to sacrifice your son, but what does he ask you to do? Sometimes he might ask you to buy coffee for your neighbor. Sometimes he's asking you to buy coffee for the person behind you. Sometimes you see that person on the street. You don't want to give him money, but you feel that nudge like, no, no, no you're going you're gonna to bless that man today. And these are the ways, these are the moments where we show to God that we are trustworthy. These are the moments where we show to God that we can be trusted. Do you guys want to hear the end of that story, by the way? Because it's actually got a pretty rad ending. All right, so here's a rad of the ending, okay? So we just gave it to him. Weeks go by, and all of a sudden, a $2,000 check that we weren't even expecting hits our mailbox. Praise the Lord, all right? It was just like, like out of nowhere. And I never got the check, and I told my wife, I was like, hey, we got this check. I never connected the two until one day I was out for a run. And I'm running. That's typically when God talks to me. And so I'm out for a run, and it was like, it was like I was running and I felt the hand of God, you know, kind of hit the back of my head, kind of like how your mamas do to your boys, just like just hit me in the back of the head like that. I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> we did a whole sermon series on that. But like, like just I felt like God nudged me and God reminded me. He said, remember when I told you to give that man $200? I gave you 10 times that amount back. All I needed was your obedience. All I needed was your <laughs> obedience. Listen, and then when we talk about obedience, I get it. I get it. It's not fun but it is fruitful. I say that one more time. When we talk about obedience, it's not fun, but it is fruitful. And, 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 and listen, God wants us to live fruitful lives. I know sometimes we're like, isn't it enough that I'm here in church? Not really. He wants you not just to be faithful, but he also wants you to be fruitful. 
we start at faithfulness, but at some point when you get behind that curtain and you start living according to the kingdom of heaven, it's not just your faithfulness that God wants. He wants your fruitfulness as well. That's why the last week when Jesus was, the, they, call it the, uh, um, they call it the Passion Week, that's why in the last week when Jesus saw a, a fig tree that had no fruit on it, what did he do? He cursed it. Why? Because it wasn't fruitful. He's always wanted his followers not just to be faithful. And I know we got to start at faithfulness, and that's where we all begin. But the assignment in heaven is not that just we're faithful, but that we are fruitful. That, that we become fruitful with what God has given us. These three servants, what did God ask for them? I'm sorry, what did their master give to them? And how did he bless them at the end of the story? According to their fruitfulness. Not their faithfulness, but their fruitfulness. That they took what God gave them. In the story, it's the master. But the greater principle is that they take what God gives them and they bring fruit back to their creator and say, this is what I did with what you gave me. You gave me this talent and here's what I did with this. You gave me this ability and here's what I did with this. These are the people that you've put in my life and here's what I did with it. It is the fruitfulness in my life that I'm going to bring before God and say, now this is what I have to show you for all that you have done for me. This is why we're talking about obedience because I don't want you to have just to be it's all fun, Pastor Josh, get me all hyped up. No, 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 I want you to be fruitful. I, I want for you all to be fruitful because here, here's the deal. This is the hard truth. Write this down. You are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. Taking a hard pivot there. They were like, Pastor Josh, that's me. No, no, hold on. There's some grace in that statement, though. There's a lot of grace in that statement because here's the deal. If you make a mistake, there's grace for that. And, and God will love you. And if you fall, he is there to pick you up each and every time. He's a loving father. He's a good father. But make no mistake, if you repeatedly do the thing against counsel, against pastoring, against parents leaning in on you, against people that are there for you, there comes a point in time when you repeatedly do that thing over and over and over and over and over again where it's like that's just who you are. But in the same way, I'm talking about in the good as well. When you are obedient to God, when you do the little things like you bought that coffee for that person that God was leading you to buy coffee for, you spoke life into someone when you felt God telling you to speak life into someone, you're showing up and doing the things that you really feel God calling you to do. Guess what happens? As you are obedient to those things, you're showing God, I am a trustworthy person. Look at what I have given back to you after all that you have given me. You can leaning on me and this is what you see God did with these three because the master did with these three because the Bible says he gave to every single one of them according to their ability meaning he he saw their history of faithfulness have you ever heard that saying the past is prologue have you heard that saying the past is prologue so if I want to know where you're going I'm typically going to want to know where you've been and based on where you've been I'm going to know where you're going and, and it's not a proverb, but it feels like it belongs in the Proverbs past is prologue. And so that's why I'm saying that you are what you repeatedly do. These three people, the reason God gave one, five, two, and one was because he knew what they could be trusted with. He knew just how much they could be trusted with. And, and, and here's, here's the thing that, that, that follows that, okay? You guys ready? Favor will follow your obedience to the voice of God. Write that down if you're taking notes. Favor will follow your obedience to the voice of God. As I shared with you in my story just, just a minute ago, when we are repeatedly listening to the voice of God and we are doing those steps of obedience, you are going to see God open up doors in your life. 
you're going to see God continue to open up doors over your life. Now, listen to me. We don't do to get. How many of y'all know that? We don't do to get anything from God. That, that's not it at all. And I will tell you this. If, if, if you live that sort of life and if, if, if you have developed a legalistic heart that I will do this in order to get from God, you will get burned out and you will get tired. You'll probably leave the church with your own church hurt and blame someone else, but it's your own church hurt because we don't do to get anything from God. What we do is a response to all that he has done for us. Come on. Has he done anything good for you? Has he blessed you? Has he been there for you? Has he made a way for you? And so what flows out of that is simply my obedience to him. And when I am obedient to him, I begin to see the hand of God and I begin to see his favor flowing in my life. And, and here's the most underrated part of the story right here. Let's get back to the three men here. Here's the most underrated part of the story. Matthew 25, 16. Let's get that scripture on the screen. Matthew 25, 16. It said, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once. Everybody say at once. That's the most underrated part of this whole thing. To the person who received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five bags more. I, I love this insertion into the text because it lets us know that he immediately got to work doing the thing that God called him to do. There was no delay. There was no conference call. There was no asking for the prophet to come and lay hands and confirm the word of the Lord over his life. It was just like, God called me to do it. I'm going to do it. God, God led me to do it. I'm going to get up and go. He had this mindset of whatever God leads me to do, I'm going to do it at once. And the Bible says to the person who received two bags of gold, he did the exact same thing. When God said go, he immediately went. And, and again, there is a pace in the kingdom of God. There is a speed to the kingdom of God. And at once and immediately is a speed that works in the kingdom of God. When, when, when we are moving when God says to move, when we are going when God says to go, as I said, Abraham, when the reason he could be trustworthy is God said to Abraham back when he was a pagan living in Chaldee, uh, he was Chaldean, so he lived, he lived in the Chaldees, and, and God said to Abraham, get up and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Abraham said, where are we going? Don't worry about it. I'll show you. I'll tell you. Just get up and start going. What did Abraham do? He got up and started going. So many times God's trying to get us to move in our lives, and you will miss these moments if you don't move at once. And, and, and I'll just say this. I've seen this happen in my life where I felt like God called me to do something and I sat on it and then he rose someone up to go and do it. Because here's the truth about God. His, his will will be done here on earth. It's going to get done like with or without you, but he invites you in. He, he wants you to be a part. He, his redemptive work will be done here in this city, but he invites all of us into his redemptive plans and say, will you work with me? Will you roll up your sleeves and labor together with me? I, you're my son. You're my daughter. And I want you to experience the transformation, all of that, that I'm going to do in this city anyway. But I want you to be a part of it as well. And so there is an at once that we have got to get in our spirit. There is an at once that I may not have it all figured out. I'll do the small things God wants me to do, but these small things are going to compound like compound interest. How many of y'all know what compound interest is? Y'all know what compound interest is? If not, next year we're doing a financial series. We'll talk all about it, all right? But it's these little things that when we, when we obey the voice of the Lord, it's these little things that when we start doing it, you just begin to see God do more things in our life and greater things in our life. I'm coming to a close now. So sometimes it's like, well, God, I want to be generous with the church, but I'll do it when I make more money. When God says, just do it now with what you got. I'll, I'll join the dream team, Pastor Josh, but as soon as, like, like, as soon as my schedule slows down, 
and God is saying at once. I'll join the connect group, God, but I'll join the connect group, God, but just, just not yet. You know what I mean? Friends, that's where you're going to go make some friends at once. And, and some of us, it's, it's water baptism. We're going to get ready to celebrate water baptism in two weeks. I love baptism Sunday. It's one of my favorite days of all the year where if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, what's your next step? Your next step is water baptism. I get asked this question all the time. Pastor Josh, when, when should I get water baptized? What's the moment that I know? And I typically respond, well, I typically respond well, do you love Jesus? Well, yeah, I love Jesus. Well, then you're ready. At once, get up and get baptized. you've made a decision to follow Jesus at once. Get up and get water baptized because we are being formed in his image. We are are becoming more like him. What's the very first thing Jesus did before he began his earthly ministry? He got water baptized. So we are like Jesus when we are water baptized because we are being buried with him in water baptism. And just as he resurrected from the grave, we resurrect from a watery grave. And that is how we are being formed more like Jesus. And, and, and these are at-once decisions. Everybody say at-once one more time. These are at-once decisions. These are the type of decisions that we have to make e- even, even when we don't have all of the answers. Because here's the last thing that I want you to know and write this down. Behavior is the seed that becomes ability. Remember, the Bible says that he blessed them according to what? Their ability. It's behaviors that are the seeds that become their abilities. I I forget in 2010 when my wife uh, was pregnant and um, we were getting ready to welcome my firstborn son, Jaden. He's working the screens today here at the church. And uh, I'll never forget that I was 210 pounds at that time in my life. I was I was at my heaviest and uh, and um, I like to eat a lot. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? Um, I hadn't manifested the fruit of self-control just yet over my life. But anyway, um, I'll never forget when. When we found out it was a boy, everything changed. For some reason, when it was a boy, because initially said it was a girl, then like, ah, we were wrong, it's a boy. So anyway, uh, once I said it was a boy, I knew I needed to make lifestyle changes in my life. And I tell people the story of how my wife and I, we weren't, we were really weren't into exercising or fitness or anything. And I'll never forget, like for us, running to the end of the street, that was winning right there. Like, like that's where it started. Just the little small behavior of running to the end of the street. And then at the time we lived in this condo and um, it was kind of close to a high school. The high school was about, you know, like 0.65 miles away from our house. So then I was like, let me run to the high school. And man, I'll tell you what, the, the day that I ran to the high school and ran back home, I, I ran my 1.2 miles, 1.2 miles. I came home like I was Rocky Balboa and I had just defeated Ivan Drago on Rocky IV. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I was like, yeah, look at me. You know, One mile, 1.2 miles. That's it. This is 1.2. That was all I could handle. But those little seeds of behaviors began to produce an ability in me. In 2015, I did a 140-mile race. I did a full Ironman in 2015. But it started with, I just want to make it to the end of the street. I just want to make it to the street. Then I was like, I just want to make it to the high school. And, 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 and it's those little behaviors that become an ability in our life. And, and when God looked, I'm sorry, when the master looked at these three servants, he looked at their ability, and their ability was formed off of these just simple, repeated behaviors. I don't know what repeated behavior God is going to ask you to do today, but those repeated behaviors are seeds. Everybody say seeds. We've been talking about seeds to the sower. Have you ever noticed that seeds produce fruit that look nothing like the seed? Like think for example, a watermelon. 
a watermelon. It's big. It's green. It's red on the inside. What does a seed look like? It's a tiny little black thing. Barely weighs anything. You would never, you would never think that this little black seed would become this watermelon. And, 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 and here's the thing about seeds. Seeds never look like the fruit that they are producing in our lives. And what happens is we want fruit in our lives, but we do nothing with the seeds that God has given us to produce the fruit. We, we all want the end product. We're on social media mad because someone else got the car that you wanted. We're on social media because someone's got the mirror that you wanted for your house. You're on social media because someone got the thing that you wanted. And it's like, why did they get that? You're looking at someone's fruit and you don't see the seed that they had to plant, that they had to water, that they had to tend to in order to produce that fruit in their life. And listen to me, Lighthouse Church, we got to stop praying for fruit and start asking God, what do I do with the seeds you've given me? What do I do with the seeds that you have given me? Because I think many of us are missing our assignments here on this life because we're praying for fruit and not praying for the wisdom to work the seed that God has given us. God has given every single one of us seed. Some of you guys are praying for peace, and he's put the seeds in your life for peace. You just have to work your seed. Some of you are praying for a thriving marriage and you have the seeds in your life that are going to produce a thriving marriage, but you've got to, you've got to work the seed. One of my favorite preachers, Bishop T.D. Jakes, he's everyone's favorite preacher, (laughs) but, but he has this saying, he's like, when you pray for a chair, God doesn't give you a chair. He gives you a tree. It's your job to make the chair from the tree that he gives you. He doesn't make chairs. He makes trees. In the same way, God gives us seeds. You want the fruit of peace in your life, but you're not doing anything with the seed that you have. And the thing about seeds is they look nothing like the fruit. So my prayer for you as we finish this series is that you would start to identify the different seeds in your life and ask God, what do I do with this seed? And how will this produce the type of fruit that you need for me to produce in my life? I want to pray over you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, everyone, if you're able to? Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that as we've heard your word, that you would just begin to reveal the seeds that we've all been given in our life. We want to have the ability to be trusted. We want to have the ability for you to look down and to give us these kingdom assignments that are going to advance your kingdom and win at home and win with our children and win in our communities but help us father first to see that you've already given us seeds to tend to help us to see those seeds help us to tend to those seeds show us and give us wisdom discernment what do we do with these seeds that you've been given to that you've given to us how do we work those seeds How do we tend to those seeds? What do we do with these seeds that you have given us? We want to produce much fruit, Lord God, and we want to be fruitful for you. Help us, Lord God, to discern what to do with these seeds in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. and I want to thank you guys for your attention. We're wrapping up here, and before I let you go, there's two things that I want to point you to. Here's the first one. Are y'all ready for it? If you've never been water baptized, in two weeks we're having Baptism Sunday. And I know that so many of you over the last month, because it's been three months that we've had Baptism Sunday, 
you rose your hands at some point to say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And if you've never been water baptized, that is your next step. And I'd love for you to sign up by going to start here canopy after our service and let them know, hey, I'm, I'm ready. I don't want to put it off anymore. Like, like that wise servant, I want to immediately, I want, I want to at once take this next step of obedience. So that's the first thing. If you've never been water baptized and you love God and you're ready to just go for it, sign up for water baptism. We would love to celebrate you in two weeks. And here's the next thing. We're going to open up these altars to pray for you. This is how we close our service. It's not for everybody, but it's, it's for those of you that need prayer. And I'm going to ask the pastors to come up. Actually, I'm going to ask the pastors to go ahead and meet me up here now. And we're just going to get ready. And uh, as we go into worship, we would love to pray for you. We never like to end our services without giving you an opportunity to be prayed for. And um, my big prayer really is that God would show to you, God would reveal to you what to do with the seeds that he's given your life, what to do with the seeds that are in your hands, that he would give you the wisdom, that he would direct you, that he would order your steps, and so that we would produce fruit that would remain for him. Come on, let's go into some worship now. I'm going to ask everyone right there, just go ahead and lean in and worship, and we're going to just close it with worship, but we'd love to pray for you. If you need prayer, come on now, here. And our pastors are going to pray with you. And we're just going to close it with a time of worship and a time of prayer. Come on, right there where you're at. Would you just go ahead and raise your hands? And let's just talk to our Father right now. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.